Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. It's, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to serve here at New Life Church and to, to be serving here. It's, over, it's been over 12 years that I've been at New Life. Man, it's been awesome. I can't believe it. I, it's, I, the only reason why I really know those things is because I have memories that pop up on Facebook and then I remember things like that. So I, I, that means I'm getting older. And so, but I just want to take a moment to, to introduce myself again. I'm Nate, and just welcome everyone who's worshiping with us at all of our campuses. So if you're out in Ogallala and North Platte, as well as online, or maybe you're listening or watching later in the afternoon today or this week, man, thank you so much for choosing to worship with us. Thank you, church, here at the Carney Campus for saying yes and being here. For the last few weeks, we've been in a teaching series called Say Yes. Say Yes. And so, uh, if you know... The last few weeks, we've talked about things we want to say yes to. Now, if you're anything like me, you can say a lot, yes to a lot of things, right? But not all of those things are going to be great for you. They're not all going to help you grow spiritually. And so really, this series is all about saying yes to things that are going to help us grow spiritually. So week one, Pastor Jeff talked about saying yes to weekend worship. So way to go. You showed up. You must have heard the message. You're here today. You said yes. You said yes. And then last week, Pastor Jeff talked about saying yes to serving on a ministry team. And we've had so many people fill out cards. So thank you. Hopefully, you, if you haven't filled out a card yet, card yet, you picked one up this morning. And you've got it with you. So at, before you leave, make sure you fill it out. But some of you have, we've been seeing come in. They've, you, some of you have, are willing and ready to take that next step faith journey piece where water baptism is what you're saying yes to. Others of you are saying yes to Jesus for the very first first time and you're marking the card, that's exciting. Others of you are saying yes to life groups and tell me a little bit more. I want to get, you know, more connected. And others of you are saying yes to being on a serving team. And so we're excited about building God's kingdom because we are truly better together, right? right? Right. Okay. So here we go. So today we're going to talk a little bit about community. But first, before we do that, I would like to think of myself as someone who likes to say yes. I think the greatest decision that you can make and the greatest yes that you can say yes to is God. Amen. I mean, it, when, you, when you say yes to just doing your own thing and going your own way, yeah, it's great. It's fun for a while. But man, when you say yes to God, it's like there, you realize that there is nothing impossible with God. Amen? There's nothing that is impossible when you do it for God. Like he can do stuff that you think, oh, like this doesn't make any sense. This is minuscule. And he just multiplies it and makes a huge impact. And so I would like to think of myself, I even said yes to, you know, being here today, and many of you have said yes to being here today, but there's oftentimes inside of me, I find myself wanting to say yes to the Lord, but then there's something else inside of me. There's this old man, or if you're a woman, there's an old woman, this old flesh that says, you know what, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Anybody else can relate? You know what I'm talking about? And so you have this where we have this independence inside of us, it's like I'm an independent person, I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. You know, or you have in America, sometimes we like to be self-reliant. Like, I don't need anybody else. I can take care of myself. I'm not going to, you know, ask for any help. I mean, you see it in the suburbs or the communities that we live in. It's like you, you, as you're pulling up, you hit the garage door opener and it comes up and you drive in and you close in and you don't have to talk to anybody. You know what, you know what I'm saying? We, we have this nature inside of us that wants to go, you know what, I don't want to do it because I just don't want to do it. I don't care necessarily what everybody else is doing, or maybe I don't necessarily right now value or think, you know what, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm just going to do it my own way. So we like, this, we like to be individuals. We like to be independent. We like to be self-reliant. Well, 12 years ago, when I came to this church, a, a, before I came to this church, a pastor called me and said, hey, Nate, would you be interested in applying for the youth pastoring position? And I was like, sure, I can do that. 
So what did I have to do because I hadn't done it before? I had to put together a resume. How many of you got a resume? Okay, a few of you. None of you, I mean, they'll just hire you right off the street nowadays. You don't even need a resume. Oh, you're, you're warm body. Let's go, you know? And so I had to put together my resume. And, and typically in your resume, there's always kind of this area where there, you use words to describe who you are. And so I had all these words. I thought, man, I'm going to look good. I'm going to get this job. It's going to be awesome. So I got all these words. But there were two words that I specifically used. And they were independent and individual. So my thinking behind the whole process is, it's like, this is going to convey that I am somebody who can get the job done. I don't need a babysitter to watch me. I can follow through. I'll be a great hire. Well, I send it in, and then I get a, a, you know, a phone call back and said, hey, we'd like to come talk to you, or we'd like for you to come talk to us. So I show up to the church, and we're going through all these questions, and one of the pastors pulls me aside and goes, Nate, I'd really like to talk to you about your resume. There are a couple of words that you use to describe yourself that I would love to talk about. Individual and independent. And he goes, you know that God can't use people that are just an individual. God doesn't want to, God isn't going to use just somebody who is, you know, independent. God uses people that are dependent on him, who care about his kingdom and care about others. And I'm thinking, I'm not getting this job. And if that's, if that's you, that, that's who I am. I, inside of me, I have this independent type of nature, this individualism, this self-reliance. And, and what I found out about myself is when we have those characters or traits that we would describe ourselves, or when we think like that, self-reliant, independent people, we miss out on the fullness of God. You, you miss out on what, how God can use you in ways that God can develop you and shape you and mold you into the men and the women that he's created you uniquely to be. But if you have this self-reliant kind of this attitude, I'm independent, I'm too cool, I got this whatever, whatever, God's going to go, good luck. And we miss out on all God has for us. And the other thing I think this does is when we have that too cool for school kind of attitude, self-reliance, we begin to look at God's word as optional. We look at God's word and goes, yeah, that's a command that was good for them, but it's not good for me now. Or if it's convenient for me, then maybe I'll try that. Or if everybody else is doing it, I'm definitely not going you know, to follow God's word and do that. And so we have this idea of that if it's convenient, then I'll do it. And if not, and if I don't want to, then I won't do it. And all we, look, we look at God's word and go, man, it's just optional. There's an acronym for B-I-B-L-E. There's several of them that are out there. And I just picked one because I like this one. And they're going to throw it up on the screen. But we got to fully understand that the Bible, it's God's basic instruction book for living on earth. Others of you know this acronym is basic instruction book for leaving earth. However you want to live on earth or leave earth, you got to follow God's basic instruction. Amen, church? We need to take it and live by it and let it saturate our hearts and change the way that we think and the way that we see people and let it mold and shape our hearts and our minds so that we can look more like Christ. And that, that's what we've got to do. We've got to continue to be those people who are surrendered. And so if we're going to let the Bible be that instruction book, then we got to read it. And specifically when we're looking at community and life groups, today, I want us to look at, in the New Testament alone, did you know that there are 54 verses that talk about one another? There's 54 verses throughout the New Testament that talk about how I'm supposed to love one another, encourage one another, instruct one another, rebuke, forgive. 
There's all these verses. So what does that tell us about God? That God created us to be in community with one another. God cares about you as the individual, but he also cares about us as the community and the body of Christ. And he also cares about you, the individual, and how you can connect and be a support and an encouragement to one another and how they can be a support and encouragement to you. But here's the thing. This is why I know it's so important. If you look in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says, it's not good for man to be alone. King, King Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes Chapter 4, verse 7, he says this, I observe yet an, another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone. If you have your version app open in, on your phone today, I put in a few more verses. And basically, just the quick overview is that two are better than one, and three are even greater than two. There's something about multiplication, about being in small groups, about being in community together. There's strength in numbers, and that's the way that God designed it. It's a travesty that some of us today are walking all alone in our faith journey. Some of you are walking alone in your faith journey, and that's not where you want to be. So I want to encourage you to take a step of faith and ask. Others of you, that's your independent nature, and you're just like, you know what? It's mine. It's mine. I'm just going to do what I want to do. But I believe it's a travesty, and that's not how God designed or instructed us to live as believers in Jesus. I truly believe this statement. Community is a non-negotiable part of being a healthy and effective believer. I can't do this relationship with the Lord without you. You make me better. I make you better. And this principle is illustrated in Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles or you have the YouVersion app, you can open it up. But it's found in Acts chapter 2, and it's a theme all throughout the Bible. And so I want to look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So let's just jump into it. Verse 42. It said, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So what this looks like is, for some of us, you're going, well, they, you know, they gathered together for the apostles' teaching. They came together for Bible study. They said, you know what? We're going to learn from God's word. We're going to use it as an instruction manual. We're going to dive into God's word and let it mold and shape our hearts. We're going to allow it to be alive and active inside of us. So they met together. But then what else did they do? They had, they had fellowship. How many of you like to have fun? Right? I love to have fun. I, this, is, this is my motto. This is something that I live by. If we're not having fun, why do it? Right? And sometimes, you know, that fun thing is, is I just got to, you know, get myself all jacked up and go, you know what, I'm going to do this even though it doesn't seem like fun, I'm going to do it. There's a purpose behind it. But having fun. Sometimes I think that when we talk about life groups or we talk about community, we just think of the Bible study part. No, these people were getting together and they were having fun. They were doing, you know, living out their hobbies and just enjoying each other. What's the third thing they did? They ate. How many of you love to eat? Come on, somebody. Right? You love to eat. Yes. You love to eat. We can tell. No, I'm just kidding. You know, some of you, we, we all eat, right? And there's something about getting together, just inviting somebody over and saying, hey, would you have a meal with me? Some of you are like, I don't want to commit to a life group, Nate. And here's the greatest thing that you can do before you leave out in the lobby. You could just invite somebody to lunch today and say, hey, I'd love to hear your story. That's as simple as living in community has to be. It doesn't have to be rocket science. It doesn't have to be super difficult. It just has to be, hey, would you guys like to go together? You know what? We're not, we don't, you know, maybe the budget's tight. And we can't necessarily pay for you, but we'd love just to go. You got to eat. We got to eat. Would you guys like to go? That's something practical that the early church did that we can do. So they shared in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And even today at all of our campuses, we're going to take communion together and remember 
Jesus' body and his blood that was shed and bro- his body was broken for us. And then the last thing they did is they prayed together. They just gathered for prayer. There's going to be moments in our life where we need each other just to pray. And not only did they just pray for one another, but they prayed for their community. How many of our communities need Jesus? How many of our, you know, the places that we work, how many of your neighborhoods need Jesus? And how cool would it be just to come together as maybe moms and pray over your kids before they go to school and just have that community? There's a life group for that of moms that get together on Thursdays and pray at the Kearney campus. But maybe you're feeling led as a mom today at one of our Ogallala, at the Ogallala of the North Platte campus. You need to start that. Go talk to your campus pastor. But it's something that is powerful when we come together. So I'm going to continue to read on, verse 43. And because they were doing all of those things, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders, and all of the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had, things that were in common. Verse 45, they sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity. There was a generosity that came over them. Did they just give all the time? Probably not. But they loved one another. In 47, all the, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship to those who were being saved. There was something going on here that they, they just didn't want to miss out on. Have you ever been a part of a hobby or a club or a group or something? You experienced something and you were like, man, I could do that every day of my life. Any of you? you got to find one of those things. I call that, as a counselor, I call that self-care. Like, you got to find one of those moments where it's like, man, I just love doing that. Well, this is what was happening in the, early, in the early church. They loved, they valued each other, they were devoted to one another. They just didn't see each other on Sunday mornings. Or when they gathered for church, they didn't just see each other for an hour. Like, many of us, we have familiar faces. We can like, hey, I know you. Your face looks familiar, but I don't really know you. They just didn't see from afar, from social media, what everybody was doing. Like, oh, you went on this trip. Like, they actually knew about each other and what was going on. They lived together. And so they were in this, if you've ever been a part of that thing where it's like, man, I just can't miss out. When you, when you love something and you're passionate about something, what do you do? You make it a priority. You schedule it. You say, man, I cannot miss out on this because this is just like it adds so much to my life. And those people that I'm hanging out with, they add a lot of, to my life as well. And so this is what was going on in the early church. They kept meeting together. They loved meeting together until they didn't. So have you ever been a part of a group, a club, an experience where you did it for so long and you're like, dude, this is boring. It's not fun anymore. I have other things I got to get to doing. This is what was happening in the church. Eventually they were gathering together so much every day that there were some of the people were like, dude, I'm, I'm done. And here's the thing that I know about church and about people. This church was growing so much, when you add more people, you add more annoyingness. <laughs> right? I'm sure that's what's happening in this early church where people are showing up and they're going, he's showing up, I'm definitely not coming anymore. She's showing up, no. Or it lost whatever, they lost their passion for meeting together, and so what did they do? Anything that would come in place of that, they scheduled over a church, and they said, you know what? We're going to go do this. And their friends would be like, hey, why don't, aren't you guys going to come? And they'd be like, no, I'm sorry. We just can't make it this week, but we'll try again. Don't, don't stop inviting us. And, and things begin to change inside of them, and they, they stopped making it a priority. There was a lot going on. They were busy. I'm independent. And there's so many of them. You don't need me. Come on. 
Anybody thinking that way? Sometimes we get that way. There's so many of them. Everybody can serve. They don't need me. And it came to this point where they stopped getting out of routine, out of a habit of connecting and meeting together. And even to the point where later on, the writer of Hebrews, many, many years later, he writes to the people, and it's to us to be a reminder, hey, don't forget about this principle that you see all throughout the teaching of Jesus, all throughout the Bible. Don't forget about this. There's a principle of community, or what we call at New Life, life groups. There's a community in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. It says right here in verse 23, let us hold, I love this word, unswervingly. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. If you have any young drivers in the house, you know that they can swerve a lot, right? Some of you, you drove here today and you swerved a lot. Some of you are, allow, are not allowed to drive because you swerve a lot. You know what I'm saying? We got some of us. But if you're anything like me, I can, I can see this in my spiritual life. There's a principle here that if you'll hold to the faith in Jesus Christ, when you hold to Jesus, he'll help you to not be swerving, as well as, as, you know, when we're in relationship with the Lord, we invite him in to be a part of our lives, and he can help us and point out and convict and sh- reveal to us areas where we're falling short. But in my own life, I know that there are moments where I swerve in my relationship. Well, here, let me, let me give you an example. I'm excited about prayer. I'm not excited about prayer. I love people. I don't love people. Stay away from me. Come on. I'm sinning. I'm not sinning. I'm swerving a lot. Anybody else relate? When we lose this focus of this hope in Jesus Christ, we can, we can miss out and we can begin to swerve and go all over the place where God has called us and is asking us of us to run straight. He can help you. If you find yourself swerving, you're excited, you're not excited, you're all over the place about your relationship with the Lord. I keep falling short. I keep falling back into sin. Jesus can help you. And the principle is found, or the formula is found in verse 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So the antidote, the thing that you need is biblical community. If you're just out here just driving around doing your thing with your, you know, your spiritual journey, and you're just, you find yourself all over the place, then you need to get yourself some people that will spur you on. Because what can happen in relationship together is you help me and I help you. When I'm all over the place, Nate, I don't think you really want to be talking to your wife like that. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're bringing a correction and helping me run straight to walk in line with the Lord. Or Nate, you get, man, it seems like you, you don't, you're not believing the best in people like you once did. What's going on in your life? I'm all over the place. I'm loving people. I'm not loving people. And I can do the same for you. I can see things in your life and go, man, dude, what is up with you? Why are you doing that? Or what, tell me more about why you're acting that way. And we can spur each other, each other on and help each other live out all that God has for us. We can be more consistent. And then there's also a practical piece. And here's a secret found in verse 25. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Some of you are so busy that you've got out of the habit. Many of you, you haven't. You're here today for weekend worship. Many of you are in life groups, but some of you are realizing like, man, I'm just my life is out of sort. And you need to reprioritize and make, get back into the habit of meeting together, whether that looks like in a life group or what, just going to coffee with somebody, but just having somebody in your life who's of some spiritual influence to encourage you, to guide you, so that you can run straight 
for the Lord. Don't give up meeting together, it says. Why? Because change happens in relationships. Did you know that 95%, if we were in relationship, in biblical relationship, we would be 95% more productive? You'd be more productive in your work. You'd be more productive in your, in your marriage. You'd be more protect, or, you know, productive in your family. Whatever it is that you're trying to do in, in school, in college, whatever it is, you'll be more productive if you have someone of spiritual influence in your life. I've preached this percentage before to other people, but I didn't really grasp it until I was in a life group last semester. I was in a life group last semester at the Kearney campus, and there was a, a group of guys that we get together. It's called goal setters. In Proverbs, it talks about without vision, people perish. You've got to have goals for your life. You've got to have goals for your marriage. You've got to have goals for, you know, what you, you, the things you want to achieve spiritually and physically. You've got to have goals. And so we would get together, and we would meet for nine weeks. And every week, some of us would set new goals, and others of us would set just one goal. So my partner and I, my partner's like, hey, man, I want to I wanna get back into exercise. I want to I run more. And, and I said, okay. And he goes, what do you want to do? And it's something I did not want to do. But the Lord was speaking to me. He said, Nate, I want you to read more. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Especially of reading a book of 200 plus pages. And I had nine weeks to do it. I don't know when the last time I've ever done that. And so I was like, okay. And so me and my, me and my partner, we're, we're texting each other at 8 a.m. every morning. Hey, man, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Did you get, you get your run in? Yeah, I did. Awesome. Did you get to read? Yes, I did. Fast forward to week eight. Are you running? No. You reading your book? No. <laughs> Remind me tomorrow. Okay, I will. You know? And so it's just being real. Like, no, I'm not following through. And so we're getting close to, you know, week nine and 10 where we're going to wrap this group up. Some of you are going, groups only last for nine or 10 weeks. I'll sign me up. You thought they were going on forever. They don't. But I, I said, I, I got to do this. I had four chapters left in two weeks. He messages me one day, how'd you do? I go, yeah, I read one. One chapter, I got three to go. The week got busy. I didn't prioritize it. I didn't put it in my schedule. I missed. Now it's week 10. I know he's going to text me and go, did you finish your book? Guess what I did? I prioritized my life, and I finished the book. I never would have accomplished it if it wasn't for my buddy. You and I, we are missing out on our best and God's best for us because we're not in biblical community together. You can encourage me. You don't have to be rude about it, but you can encourage me. I can encourage you. I don't have to be rude about it, but we can help each other out. We can help each other be the best version that God has created us to be, but we need to be in spiritual friendships and relationships where we can encourage, support, and challenge us. I want to leave us this morning with just a short story, a real quick short story found in the gospel of Mark. It's in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just going to be more animated, and I'm going to tell you the story. But there's five guys in one mat. There's five guys in one mat. You get to picture the mat. What kind of mat do you picture? I picture the Aladdin magic carpet ride. That's what I picture the mat as. It probably doesn't look like that because it's probably more like a cot. But there's five guys in one mat, and here's how the story goes. So Jesus comes back to town. It's like Jesus shows up to your town, to your city. He shows up, and Jesus is known for his ministry. 
And people are gathering, they're excited, they're like, where's Jesus? And so they're kind of going on this, you know, manhunt, they're looking for Jesus. They finally find Jesus in this home, and the crowd begins to gather. The house begins to fill up full of people to the point where the door begins to open up, and people are being pushed out into the street. And these men, they hear, man, hey, Jesus is in town. We've got to get our friend to Jesus. Because one of the men was paralyzed. So there's four men who can walk and one gentleman, he's paralyzed. And they're like, man, we've heard of Jesus. We know that if we get our friend before Jesus, Jesus can heal and make our friend walk. And so they're carrying their friend and they're like, hey, we finally got word. Okay, here, here he is. So they're carrying their friend and they're going up the street and I can only see him approaching up the street and they're seeing this great crowd of people standing out and around this house and people are shoulder to shoulder and they're looking and listening in and they're just trying to catch a glimpse of what Jesus is teaching. And these men walk up and they can't get through the door and they're carrying their buddy and they can't finagle a way through. And so what do they do? They just stop but they don't give up. There's just that one crazy friend. Anybody got that crazy friend who goes, we're not taking no for an answer. We're going to do this. And so this is what happens is, is there's one friend in the group that goes, I don't know how we're going to get him to Jesus, but we're going to figure out a way. And guess what he thought? We're going to climb up the ladder, up onto the roof, and we're going to put this person's house, we're going to give him a skylight. So they get up there and they start pulling back all of the, the brick and mortar. They start pulling back all the tiles and they begin to open up this spot where they can lower their friend down to Jesus. Can you imagine being in the house and hearing, what is going on? And then you begin to see tiles being rolled back and the light begins to fall through or if there's any type of stick or whatever's up there, it just begins to fall down. And Jesus continues to go on to teach and then all of a sudden here comes this man on this cot And he lands before Jesus. And Jesus does what he does. He deals with the sin in our life before he even heals the guy. He just goes, you know, your sins are forgiven. People who are listening got all ticked off. Who are you, Jesus? Jesus forgives the man's sin. And the man gets up and walks away. Jesus heals him. Something powerful happens in this story. There's three things, but before I get to the three things, this is what I need you to know. You need to find friends who point you to Jesus. I recently had somebody say, ask me this question. Nate, I think I have a drinking problem, but my friends tell me I don't. What do you think I should do? I'm like, do you really want to know? I'm like, do you need to get some new friends? If your friend's not pointing you to Jesus, there's a problem. You should have people that are pointing you to Jesus. I believe that everything that's going on in your life, everything you need, everything that you're feeling just overwhelmed with, Jesus, God's word has the answer, amen? amen. He does. But we need people to point us to him. When they could have given up and said, you know what, good try, they said, no, we're going to push through. We're going to do something that sounds crazy. Can you imagine the story if they're going in or if they're going to the well or if they're going to the coffee shop later and they're like, weren't you the guys that lowered the dude down through the roof? And they're like, yeah, man, that was sweet. <laughs> How cool would that be? Yeah, I'm a, part of that. I'm a part of that faith journey, a part of that story. That's cool. Here are three things that really stand out to me that I find 
to be significant. And this is what I believe you'll find in life groups. The first thing, number one, you'll find mat carriers. You're going to find somebody who's going to be a mat carrier for you. These, these one guy, or this one guy, the four of them, they couldn't have just done it by themselves, but they did it together. They carried the mat together. They carried the burden together. The one said, you know what, we can do this. Because here's the thing, church, there's going to be times where you're going to run into trouble. Why? Because the Bible says, in this life you will have troubles. There's going to be moments in your life where you're going to say, I can't. But there'll be people who are in biblical community with you and say, you know what, I know that you can't, but we can. There are going to be people that will come and rally around you and say, I know that, man, you can't even lift up your arms to do this. Any of you ever moved before? Man, it's like all hands on deck. Come on, somebody. If you've ever had to move by yourself, it's the worst thing ever, but that's what community looks like. Like, oh, hey, I can come and give you an hour and help you move some boxes. I can't, but we can. There's something powerful. We are better together. There's also things in, in just in your spiritual life. There's going to be moments where you need people to just to pray for you, to love on you and to encourage you and share, you a, share a scripture with you, to text you a scripture and say, you know what? I was, man, in my prayer time today, I was just thinking of you. I know that maybe you feel like you can't, but man, God can. The second thing, you find roof, crash your faith. I can imagine, like I can imagine this happening in the story where these men are carrying their buddy and they're coming up to the house and they get to the house and the paralyzed man going, man, guys, thank you so much for trying. Thank you so much. It's It's okay. And the one crazy friend going, it's not okay. We're going to get you in there. We're going to crash through this roof for you, man. We're going to get you healed. We're going to get you in front of Jesus. There's going to be moments in your faith where you're like, no, we can't do it. We tried. And your friend is going to come alongside and go, no, but you can. It's, It's okay. Like, I have faith with God all things are possible. Like, come on, let's do this together. Like, you don't have to do it alone. I'll do it with you. You're going to find somebody who has rough, crasher faith. We're going to come alongside you and take those steps to challenge you to follow Jesus. The third thing, you will find we love because he first loved us. We is more powerful than me. Like, you've got to get this in your heart. If you just show up to a group or show up in community where it's all about you, you've got the wrong heart. These, these guys, these friends could have said, you know what, man, that's going to be too much work. I'm not carrying you all the way to Jesus. Tell Jesus if, if he really wants to touch this dude, have him come to us. But it wasn't an inconvenience. There's going to be moments where if you're in community with people, somebody's going to call you at 3 o'clock in the morning because stuff is breaking loose at home. And they're going to need you. But if you have a heart said, man, I can do this. I can love you because he first loved me. Then it's not an inconvenience. You have a heart that says, you know what, I'll serve you. I'll help you, whatever it can be. Some of us have to steal from Chick-fil-A today. It would be my pleasure to serve you. It would be my pleasure to serve you. Yesterday, I told this story, I asked my wife if I could have permission to share this. But my wife is task-oriented. I said it wrong in the first service. I said she's organized. And I'm like, I'm organized too. I prepared a message. I just didn't show up and just start talking. But she's like, I'm task-oriented. Make sure you, I was like, okay, I got it. She's task-oriented. But she's like, I'd really like a coffee. And I was like, okay. And so when we pull up to the, to the coffee shop, it has a drive through I pull into the parking lot and into a parking stall. She goes, we're going in? I said, yeah, we're going in. And she's like, well, you know, we have some things we got to get done. I'm like, it'll only take a few minutes. So we go in there, we order our coffee. 
We were blessed. You know, it's happy hour, so it's half-price drinks. I'm like, well, praise the Lord for that. That's good. And we're standing there waiting for a coffee, and lo and behold, two ladies from New Life come walking through the door. And we begin to chat. And one of them said, Nate, I just got to tell you this story. Normally, we have between 10 and 15 people that show up to our group. But this last Wednesday, only six people showed up. And anytime somebody tells me that it was a smaller group, I said, I said to her, I said, God showed up, huh? And she said, yeah. She said, we're sitting around the group and we're talking. And I, I looked at one of the gentlemen in the group. I felt compelled to ask him, hey, are you ready today to surrender your life to Jesus? And he says, you know what? I've been waiting for somebody to ask. Yes, I am today. Here's the thing. Here's the practical piece. Unless you're a mom with a bunch of kids in the car, don't use the drive-thru. Drive-thru people are like, I ain't got no time for you. Don't inconvenience me. But if you got time, even if you don't have time, I'd encourage you to, you got to go be brick and mortar. you got to be flesh to flesh with people. Because if we wouldn't have went in, it was an inconvenience. If we wouldn't have went in, I wouldn't have been able to share the story of what God is doing in some of our life groups. It could have been looked at it like as an inconvenience, but it wasn't. And I said, Drew, was it worth it? She's like, that was awesome. Stop making people an inconvenience. Some of you need that in your heart today. You need God to give you a a new heart to see people differently. It's not an inconvenience to be in community with one another. We need each other. We are better together. My prayer is that you will be people that will say, man, I love because he first loved me. I'm going to give you my best. So as we wrap up this morning, I want you to take just a quick listen of a couple who've been impacted by life groups. Take a listen. We said yes to making life groups a priority. After we were baptized, we were looking to take that next step and join a life group. And then Pastor Nate actually approached us about it. So we then joined a young married couples group and life groups individually. Our young married couples group actually grew enough that we were contemplating a split and then we kind of felt the calling to lead it. So we did split and we now lead our own, but it's just great to be able to discuss life as it changes and be in the word with our peers. Yeah, I would say like one of the biggest impacts that life groups have provided for us is just that discipline. Um, Meeting weekly makes you get into the word and it challenges you. Um, Having so many different people from so many different walks of life and different perspectives, um, it really opens your eyes to see what Jesus has done in other people's lives. And I think that only grows your faith. So that's been incredible to see and has helped us tremendously. Yeah. Yeah, just grow deeper in our faith. And the accountability. Yeah. That's one thing we really enjoy and appreciate. Mm-hmm. It just helps us. For sure, yeah. It kind of provides that safe environment for you to like share your wins. Um, but it also is a safe place for you to maybe um, share your sufferings or any sins or struggles or anything like that. And you know that you have people there that are there to support you and love you and um, speak the truth of Jesus to you. We are Jack and Gussie Gibbons, and we said yes. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. Amen. Amen. So will you say yes? Say yes to biblical community, whatever that might look like. For a group or just inviting somebody out to lunch just to, just to connect. So this morning, would you stand with me as we 
as we pray. Today it's been, and this week it's been my heart's prayer that the, the Holy Spirit would be like a metal detector, just going over your heart and your mind. I don't know what you necessarily heard today, but I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and it's my prayer that the Holy Spirit would just help you to recognize that thing that's holding you back from being in biblical community, that he would purge it out of you for you to say, you know what, I want to say yes to being in biblical community. So today, church, would you pray with me? Lord, we love you this morning. We're thankful for all of your many blessings and who you are. Lord, we're thankful for loving us right where we're at, but loving us too much just to leave us there. Lord, we're thankful that you're calling us to biblical community, to a relationship first and foremost with you, but with others. So Lord Jesus, this morning, would you help us to, to respond in a healthy way to you? And Lord, would you help us to have follow through? I know many of us are going to make a decision this morning of things that we, we wish could happen or we really want to have happen, but when we step out of these doors, our priorities might change or the busyness of life is going to creep in. So Lord, would you help us to be people that would follow through so that we can be all that you've called us to be, that we can be used in the way that you've called us to be used. Lord, we love you today in Jesus' name. Amen.